TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So um, we want to talk about the Kansas City shooting, but not just what happened at the shooting, but what happened at the parties after. So we're going to start with the shooting. Two juveniles who were detained have now been charged with firearms-related offenses. Right, which seems like uh, not necessarily enough. You're going, someone died uh, during this chaos and uh, the shooting that went on. Um, but the prosecutors say that they do expect to file other charges. Just This is just what they've charged them with at this point. Now, remember, that there they is, can continue to hold They them. can indeed, and there is an adult as well in the, uh, one of the three is an adult. And they have not said anything yet so about we don't know. charges for that person. So anyway, so the wheels of justice are starting to grind there. Um, we have more information. Remember, we told you if you were watching yesterday, we showed you this picture Travis. of Travis Kelsey going into a restaurant bar, um, taking a selfie with a police officer, um, holding a beer, um, walking in. This was about five hours after the shooting. And he was there for a party um, yeah. that the Chiefs were actually Patrick Mahomes was throwing. Right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes had, had organized this, from what we're told. Um, and that makes sense. He's the leader of the team. He would bring everyone together at the end of the at the end of the season, and that was planned before the parade even happened, and certainly before the shooting. But now we have some images of what was going on inside the party, um, and it does seem that everyone is pretty it's celebratory, celebratory, including Travis. Um, and there are some other teammates there. Uh, that I believe the punter is the guy right in front of Travis. Uh, there's also the center, and there's a backup tight end. Brittany, so there are other Brittany players. Mahomes is there. Mahomes is obviously pa Patrick's there. not in the picture. Not which in the is photo, and either he took that photo or maybe he went to the bathroom. But, um, you know, they decided they clearly, I don't know if there was even a discussion, but they decided we're going to go through uh, with this party. So some people are saying this is terrible optics to do five hours after the shooting, and other people are saying, look, you know, they what are they supposed to do? Um, it's interesting. Um, we didn't know what was going to happen. What they were doing inside. If you look closely at the picture, um, yeah, it looks like they were left behind them. Yeah, the table that set up screams beer pong. It does for <laughs> for it looks for whatever. a lot it's like worth. a beer pong set up there, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's it, this is look. I mean, there have been situations like this where people have been called out on social media for sure. Yeah. Um, this seems to be more of a mixed bag. We've kind of been looking at social media yeah. and it seems more complicated. It's not cut, it's cut and dry. No, that's the reaction that I'm seeing too. Even myself personally, trying to decide how I feel on this and it is really bad optically. I don't think there's any argument that you could make, but on the same hand or on the other hand, what what could they have done in that moment? And you know, you didn't find out the day after this, Patrick Mahomes, and we're about to post this story now, he goes and he visits some of these uh, children who were injured in the shooting. So I don't think anyone is accusing these, these players of not caring about their community. I think it's actually the opposite. I think they've got a great relationship with the community. But I, I think somebody probably should have said, this doesn't look great that we go and, and have any sort of fun at a bar after what just happened. I hear what you're saying, Mike, and, I, and I, I've been thinking about it, that if I were in their shoes, if I were one of the players, I think I would say, I would, I would feel and I would say to my teammates, maybe let's postpone this. Let's not do it tonight. But I will say, the other part of me says that we should take the lead of the people in Kansas City, in my eyes. They're the ones who are really impacted by this. And how do they feel about it? And the reality is, Mike, you just touched on this, that Patrick Mahomes and other players 
do a lot in that community. And Patrick and his wife, Brittany, uh, paid a visit to one of the hospitals where the victims were were visiting yeah. a couple we of know younger Charles victims. Now. Yeah, like half of about half of the victims were children and not, you know, 11 children injured, nine of them having gunshot wounds. And like, yeah, like you said, Charles, uh, yesterday, Brittany Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, they uh, with other players as well. They went to the hospital, sat down with the kids, spent time, took pictures, obviously lifted up their spirits. And was, was Travis there? I do not. No believe photos. So, Harv, I have not been told. By, I've been other players have been named, have been called out to me, but uh, nobody has said that Travis Kelsey was there. So I, all signs point no. Uh, someone they did say about Patrick, though, they said nobody has done more for this Kansas City community since he got to town than Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think that goes to your point, Charles, that he is beloved by those yeah. people in Kansas City. And meanwhile, um, although Travis hasn't surfaced, Taylor has surfaced. Yeah, in a big way uh, with a really large donation to the family of the woman who was killed in the shooting. Charles, this is amazing. It's Lisa Lopez Galvin. She was tragically killed at the parade. She had a husband, she had two children, and obviously now there are a bunch of costs that the family didn't expect to have to pay for, so they set up a GoFundMe with a goal of $75,000. Well, Taylor Swift, in one fell swoop, she comes in and she actually donates Two fifty thousand dollars donations, obviously totaling a hundred thousand bucks. The GoFundMe actually is up to two hundred seventy thousand. Wow! Which I think points to, and we we say this a lot when celebrities donate, that they could either do it anonymously or they can put their name on it. And I think if you're as influential as Taylor Swift and you put your name on it, it inspires, it inspires others a to lot do the of other thing. people to to donate, and that's clearly what has happened this morning. Hello, Suki from New York. I have to agree. I totally agree. I think I adore Taylor Swift, and definitely she is a great influence for us all during this difficult time. She's a beautiful person inside and out, and she did not even hesitate. She did give back to the GoFundMe, to the, to the family. Uh, so. A community that has definitely embraced her, Kansas City. And it has cemented that now. Yeah. Uh, okay, we are going to move on. Yeah, to um, uh, Kanye and his muse, his, uh, his, I guess, the mentee. Don't say muse when daughter is up there. Well, <laughs> I meant his mentee. I know what you mean. She, yes, exactly. Uh, Northwest, you know, has been very involved in his new album, Vultures. Um, and she's also been spending a lot of time, not only with Kanye, but also with um, his new wife, uh, Bianca. Her stepmom, I guess you would say. It is her stepmom. And um, she actually had an assignment. We don't know if this was a school assignment. Or a Kim assignment. Or a Kim assignment, but um, Bianca came up in her response. So the assignment was, tell me three things you are grateful for today. She did this on the 13th, so on Tuesday. She said she's grateful for the Vultures album, because it's insanely good. She's grateful for real Vultures, uh, because they made it possible for the album to come together. <laughs> and lastly, I'm grateful for the song Carnival, one of the songs on the album, which is very inappropriate uh, for children, I would say. But it's kind of an homage, in a sense, to Bianca. Yes. And then there's the art that she sketched at the bottom of her homework. There. We got to get a close-up of this. That's amazing. I mean, she's a talented artist, but yeah. man. That's uh, definitely Bianca. We should just acknowledge what she drew there is the album cover art for Kanye's new album. So she just traced it or, or drew it herself or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're right, it is, she's talented, it looks great. But this TikTok came down after she had posted it. I'm not sure how long mm. after, but it came down. Uh, obviously, North shares this TikTok with her mom, Kim. 
And by the way, there are reports out now that Kim is like angry at Kanye and telling Kanye, tell your wife to cover up around our children. I don't want her dressing like this around our children. From the photos that I've seen of Bianca with North, there's been a handful of them, like at Disneyland and whatever. I haven't really seen Bianca dress in a crazy way. No. Um, you know, the way she does with Kanye normally when it's just the two of them. But with that said, I think there's a connection there where Kim is seemingly thinking, okay, Kanye has Bianca dressing and acting inappropriate around our kids. My my daughter's all about it, and is it's 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 affecting her. It's like it, this is warping her. What you just said is true, though, Fabian, because we've seen anytime they've gone out in public that Bianca has been dressed more demure when the kids are around. And As opposed to butt naked, like she normally is. Right, exactly. So I don't even know if it's that. It, to me, especially because it's the album cover that she sketched. It's about what Kanye is exposing North to when North is spending time with him, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because, like, North is coming of age now, right? She's kind of become a little bit older, preteen, be a teenager soon. Yeah. And look, I mean, soon she's going to discover all of Kanye's discography and all of his music, and he's talked about a lot of things. Hi, Kanisha here in Phoenix. And I think that we just need to support Northy. She's so talented in what she does, and she's just really excited to support her dad and what she's a part of as well. So definitely let's support her. Yeah. She is a, she is a talented artist. She's a really talented artist. Say so you can talk about the content of that, but it was, it's a very No, she's really sketch. super talented. Kim's got her hands full. <laughs> I guess the old saying is uh, the, 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 the key to a... A man's heart is his stomach, right? You feed him right. That's what they say. I think uh, a lot of politicians, and, and I, I think I understand where this comes from, the key to uh, getting the attention of American voters is make them laugh. Uh, if you can make them laugh, they, you'll get their attention and maybe you'll raise some money while you're doing it. Uh, presidential candidate RFK Jr. has a, a night of laughter. In fact, that's the name of the event, a night of laughter with RFK Jr., and Friends, it's happening here in LA on Wednesday night, and some big names there, including Mr. Kennedy's wife, Cheryl Hines, who we've spoken to before about the campaign, and we are pleased to say that they are both joining us right now to talk about this event. Uh, welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Thank you, Harvey. Thank you, Charles. Yeah, the, the comedians who are coming next Wednesday night are Tim Dillon, Rob Schneider, Mike Binder, Bobby Lee, Dustin Ibarra, Adam Carolla, Eric Rhodes, and uh, and some very, very exciting surprise guests who don't want to be announced in advance. So is this um, comedy laced with politics? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's just comedy, but I'm sure it will probably it could go good. badly either way. I mean, it is fun to make fun of politics, so maybe. So, <laughs> going to be a big event, and uh, obviously, um, with the final season of Curb underway, um, everyone expecting and looking for possibly some laughs from Mr. Larry David, who obviously, uh, for folks who don't know, actually introduced you guys, right? That is true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Bobby had been friends with Larry for a long time. And and then we, yeah, we just met, not with the intention that, oh, you guys should meet, but he introduced us. When I decided that I needed to date Cheryl, I actually went up, he was shooting in Curb, a Curb in New York that season. And I went up to the, it was the Lowe's Hotel 
and met him about 10 o'clock in the evening and got and asked him permission to date his television wife. So. <laughs> Wait a minute, what'd he say? What'd he say? He said he was really happy that um, Cheryl was the best human being that he'd ever met, that she was the um, only person in the, she was beloved in the industry. She was the only person in Hollywood who didn't have a single enemy. That's what he told me. And then he told Cheryl, uh, ah, it's never going to work. Something like that. <laughs> so a while back, um, Bobby, I think you had been asked um, whether you would accept um, a, uh, a position on the ticket if Trump asked you. And I think your response was, um, that would be devastating to my marriage. So now we got the two of you here. So I think Bobby knows me very well. Ah, okay. <laughs> I think that's the I think that's the answer. answer. That's also why he's not I, saying I think anything. That's your right answer. Now. Uh something not so funny as we're talking about the night of laughter during the Super Bowl, this commercial that ran um which was produced by a Super PAC and I know you said that look you you have no say so in how they what commercial they put out and how they what content they put in it. You're not allowed to under election rules. But your, some of your family members reacted negatively to this. They felt like your politics don't represent the politics of your family members who used that ad back in the 60s. Um, is this gonna be an ongoing issue with you? I know that family members have spoken out about disagreeing with your politics. And as the campaign continues, how do you, how do you navigate those waters with your family? I support the ad. I thought the ad was, you know, Cheryl and I were sitting with our kids watching the Super Bowl and we did not know that the ad was going to come on and it came on and, you know, I heard, I was kind of looking down and my, I heard my son and Cheryl shout and, uh, but their initial uh, reaction to the ad was very, very good. And I think the ad was, was smart. I love the retro feel of it. But I also understood, you know, I had a cousin who put out a tweet saying he was upset and my inclination, I don't want to hurt anybody. So I can, I want to apologize for the, for the feelings it evoked in him, but I don't, I don't apologize for the ad. I support the ad. I'm happy that the super PAC is doing these kind of things. We're not allowed to consult with them, but they're doing a lot of things that are very smart. And uh, I support those things. I, you know, we, we have a big family. There's 105 Kennedys uh, at last count. And a lot of them are supporting me. The brother of the, of the cousin who is, uh, who put out that tweet is actually running my campaign in, in Florida. I have many, many other I've cousins who are working on my campaign. And so it's like every family, RV. It's, you know, there are differences of opinion. I don't know how your family is, but if they agree with everything that you do, but it's, it's not, for me, it's not an issue. And by the way, we argue with each other about everything. We were, we were raised in a milieu where we were taught to debate each other, to do it with, with passion, but also with congeniality. And, you know, I wish that for my, my, country that we could talk about issues that are difficult with each other and not hate on each other. But I don't begrudge them their, you know, their differences of opinion. A lot of them disagree with me about the war. A lot of them disagreed with me on the issue of whether the U.S. government should be in, involved in censorship. 
and many, many other issues, and they're entitled to those opinions. And I don't, you know, I don't need to be hating on people. I can be sensitive to their uh, to their sensibilities, and that's what I was trying to do by you know, sending that that public note to my cousin. I I don't mean to hurt anybody, but you know, I do have a right to invoke my my family's legacy. You know, the one issue you didn't mention um, is COVID. So I ask this as a person who has been inoculated six times. <laughs> so, you know, I have an opinion about it and it may not be, uh, it may not align with yours, but we want to have you on our show. And it really strikes me that I feel like there's almost been this boycott of you over COVID on a lot of networks. Um, and yet you have somehow connected with people. And, you know, I guess my question is twofold. Why do you think you've been able to do that bypassing traditional media? And how do you feel about traditional media boycotting you? I don't think it's good for our country that the media boycotts me, Harvey, and I appreciate you letting me on, and Charles. I think the, you know, we ought to be having, there ought to be a, there ought to be a safe place for us to have these conversations. And, you know, I think you're, you know, the way that, People responded to COVID, uh, you know, in the mainstream media to, to shut people down was not a good, it's not a good outcome. We need to be able to talk about everything. The best ideas come through the marketplace of, of, of debate. And, uh, and it's not, you know, that's how democracy works. And to shut down debate is not good for anybody. I, I'm sorry, but there is no way you're going to escape this question. Dude. <laughs> Barefoot on a plane? Seriously? <laughs> you know what? I can't do that anymore because you guys published that thing. <laughs> Everybody's looking at your feet now. Shouldn't be barefoot on an airplane. Let's just let's just say <laughs> that. We can debate. See, we it's... can agree to disagree. I feel like there might be some foot fetish jokes coming on Wednesday night <laughs> at this night of laughter <laughs> that you got planned. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, congratulations Congrats. on the um, on the event. Yeah, can't wait to see uh, some footage from there. Hopefully, we, because obviously it is going to be a, uh, as they say in this town, a star-studded event. Wish you the best. Thank you, RV. Bye, guys. We'll see you. That was fun. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, good talking to you. Well, for years and years, uh, fans of Million Dollar Listing watched Ryan Serhant, uh, you know, doing his thing on that show um, that Million Dollar Listing New York's not around anymore. But Ryan's still in the game, and he's found a new way to thrive in real estate, which I, to me, when I, I saw this, I was like, how does that work? We've had, he's using TikTok. Like, a lot of people have been using I, I, TikTok. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I, it really, that caught my attention when I saw this, because everything we've heard is that young people aren't buying real estate they as can't much. afford it. And we've also heard that young people dominate on TikTok. So here's so why something's it, uh, yeah, but what something's you crossing. what you may be missing is it ain't just for young people. That's I wanna my point, which is I what wanna, I I want to find this out. Yeah, well let's uh, let's get the answers. Joining us right now is Ryan Serhant. Welcome to TMZ Live. Hey Ryan. Hey guys, how are you? We're good. So you've so, really blown my mind here. So look, the, uh, there used to be these really I'm sure you know about this these really cheesy. Um, shows on Sunday mornings where they would show like a, somebody walking around showing open houses and they were super cheesy and then they started shooting it more professionally. 
And and you and could you see, got... so explain the TikTok thing. I'm fascinated by this. So our goal as real estate agents and as brokers and myself as the you know the CEO of my own brokerage is to drive traffic for our sellers, for our developers, and to get the opportunities for buyers all over the world. The thing for me and the reason Million Dollar Listing New York works so well over those 10 years is, okay, so how do I build my personal brand as a salesperson and how do I put our properties in front of a global audience? Because most of the time you're trying to sell your house, the buyer who's going to pay you the most is probably not even aware of your house. They don't even know that they want it yet. They probably don't even know that they want to go buy a house. They can afford it, but they're focused on other things until you put it in front of them. And so the power of TikTok and other social media apps isn't necessarily just to get to the buyer directly. Although I will tell you, we've contacted and been in touch with many multi-hundred millionaires and billionaires who've reached out to us because they saw videos on TikTok. It's also to reach their kids, their hmm. assistants, their bankers, their attorneys. Remember, it's all about that circle of trust. So the more qualified eyeballs or eyeballs in general that you can put a beautiful property in front of, the more people are going to come through. I mean, we just sold a place yesterday for $18 million and we sold it virtually over FaceTime to someone in a different country. And the point of first contact came from a vertical tour on TikTok that was then shared and shared. That little oh arrow gosh. button huh. is everything for sales. How old was that person? Oh, the actual buyer, I think, is just under 60. But I think his daughter, I don't know how old mm -hmm. his daughter is, but she's young and, and saw the video and sent it to her dad and said, yeah. you're looking for a place in New York, pay attention to this. And I have a thousand examples of that. So your average buyer, the age of your average buyer isn't going down because of TikTok. It's, it's, it's figure just you're getting. It's figuratively and literally a bank shot that yeah. you take like a yeah. young person who can't afford it to give it to an older person who can, and yep. then you seal the deal. Yeah, I will tell you though, you know, a, a, a good audience for us, right, is that kind of next purchaser. There are, you know, Gen Z coming up. I mean, 50% of millennials are actually homeowners. So as much as they talk about not being able to afford homes, they're a big part of our buyer group in all of the markets that we're in. They're looking at interest rates, they're looking at that monthly payment, and they have a lot of different types of streams of income. Same thing with the next generation coming up. But our ability to reach the biggest audience possible is definitely what makes our unique. I, I can understand that maybe this doesn't work for everybody, but I think across platforms, you know, Sirhan, our firm has like 7 million followers and subscribers. And, you know, we reach people in Asia. We use, we use, you know, 11 labs and different, you know, AI tools to translate our voices into Japanese and into French so that it's all moving forward. We're using different tools now to put ourselves into different you virtual wow. property tours so that we're walking through. It's, it's crazy. It occurred huh. to me, right. So on your, at your brokerage, your production staff has got to be close to the number of actual agents you have, right? I mean, you, the number of people you have not, to, not yet. to do all of that. Not yet. There's, it's big. I will say there's a lot of them, but it's no. We have, we have like 550 agents now across eight states, and we're growing every day. Uh, I do not have 550 videographers. <laughs> that would be a... That's a different business, but there's great efficiencies using technology that we've built out, and so it's a, it's a new way to sell, right? It used to be... Yeah. You have to be in the LA Times or the New York Times. You've got to be on Craigslist so that people could be attracted to your right. listing today. Where are you reaching people in the palm of their hand? It makes so much wow. sense. Um, what's that art behind you? I know. I'm, I'm I looking at that wall. I'm trying to I'm figure it out. What is like mesmerized. Yeah. yeah. 
this is our, uh, uh, our, our values, right? Amplification, uh, we're relentless. Uh, the one billion is, you know, part of our, our vision board, especially when we first started. It's like, how quickly can we get to a billion dollars in sales? And we did it pretty quickly. And then uh, my third book just came out about how to build brands for entrepreneurs, personal brands, product brands. And that's the art that's right here. Yeah, I see. Oh. Brand, brand it like Sirhan. I like it. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Well, this uh, is really interesting. I got to say, branding I'm your fascinated brokerage. by yeah. this. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. That's really, because I, I, I remember these ads so clearly on, sun, on Sundays. They were so cheesy. And this is so much more sophisticated. I also thought it was interesting you said that Gen Z uh, and millennials are buying houses. So basically, they're just whining about we can't afford houses. Gee, what a shock. Okay, we're taking a break. <laughs> All right, uh, when we come back, Prince Harry breaking his silence about uh, King Charles's cancer diagnosis and how it may impact the family going forward. You know what I mean when I say the family, meaning his relationship with his brother. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Prince Harry is speaking out for the first time about his father's cancer diagnosis. You know that Prince Harry flew back over to London very shortly after the palace made the announcement. I think the next day. Yeah, which at the time I felt like that was kind of a reason to panic. Um, but Prince uh, King, King Charles has been seen uh, out and about and he's getting treatment. He seems at least outwardly to be okay. But Prince Harry was talking about his, his visit with, uh, was asked about his visit to see his father and about the diagnosis. Um, he is up in uh, Canada, in Vancouver, British Columbia. For the Invictus Games, yes, he was on Invictus GMA. Games. So, and this is interesting. Yeah. How did you get the news that the king was ill? Um, I spoke to him. And what did you do next? I jumped on a plane and, and went to go see him as soon as I could. How was that visit for you emotionally? Um, look, I, 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 love, I love my family. The fact, that I was, the fact that I was able to get on a plane and go and see him and spend any time with him, I'm grateful for that. What's sort of your outlook on, on his health? That stays between me and him. An illness in the family can have a galvanizing or sort of reunifying effect for a family. Absolutely. Is that possible in this case? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you know, throughout all these families, I see it on a day-to-day on -day basis. Um, you know, the, again, the, the strength of the, of the family unit coming together. Interesting. It wasn't, the there, way he said it was not, it didn't convince me. Didn't say that it's going to happen. Right. But it did, I, it was more his word it, that it, it, it was possible. conceptual. It was yes, conceptual. That it is possible. And I also thought it was really interesting that he said that what, what the conversation between my father and that stays between us because we know that some of the royals, including William, have been hesitant to talk to Harry since the documentary, since the book. Well, because, because they're afraid like that whatever, he said, what, whatever Charles says to him is going to end up on television and or somewhere I mean, else. It's interesting that he said, I'm not going to talk about right. what we talked I about. also did think it was interesting that when they had asked him, how did you hear about the diagnosis? He said that he was actually informed before the announcement was made. And to your guys' point, you know, the, the royal family does not trust Harry. So even the fact that he was given, I don't know how much of a head start, but just the fact that he was given some kind of indication of what was going on before it was announced, there's a little bit of trust there. And here he seemed pretty hopeful in a way that he is going to reunify with his family. So that I thought was a big step as well. I mean, yeah, it can uh, unite people who have beef. Um, this beef goes deep. Yeah. And you know, that's his feeling. Um, it's it would be interesting to, to know what they're feeling. I would like to hear if, what William that same exact question 
posed to William to see what his reaction was. Right. Hi, I'm Ashley Moss from Danville, Virginia. Um, I think Prince Harry did exactly what you would expect any good son to do, given this news. He went straight to visit him, and I think that he also made a good point in making them trust him again by not speaking publicly about what was actually going on with uh, the king. So I think he did exactly what he should do. And sounds like they may reconcile. That's actually a really, really good point, that um, maybe this was a test to see if he would keep that conversation private. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Okay. By or, the way, I should say, shout out. He wasn't in Vancouver. He was in Whistler. Ah. Always got to shout out Whistler, one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, someone's going skiing soon. But not a Whistler, unfortunately. Ah. Okay. <laughs> We're going to move on. Yes. Uh, to Kim Kardashian's ideal man. And I think this is interesting, coming right on the heels of us seeing her hanging out with uh, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, in uh, Vegas during the Super Bowl weekend. Lots of buzz that they're dating. Right. So she was on with James Corden on his SiriusXM show, and the conversation turned to Kim's list of things she's looking for uh, in a man, and see how many of these match up with anyone you know. Do you think you'll marry again? I don't know. I understand my life is really big, and I understand it takes a really, really, really special, unique person to want to deal with that. You tell me whether this is true or not. Totally. You have a notes list in your phone I do. of characteristics I that you're, you're looking for in a partner. Is that true? I do, but I'm also not so delusional to know that someone will check every single box. But okay, so give me, give me four key boxes. Accountable for actions takes accountability. Um, good teeth. Okay. Can hold their own. I don't have to babysit all the time. I mean, just a good, genuine person that's like driven and has their own motivations. Good teeth. <laughs> good teeth. Well, that was number two. I mean, yeah. accountability was first. This feels like <laughs> it this, wasn't necessarily say, in order of importance. This feels like the dating game. Come on. That old. Oh shit. yeah. It's it it. Yeah, she had her notes ready there. She's ready to send out bachelor number one. Let's see. I think it's important to note, too, that she's like, I'm not delusional. I know that there's going to be someone who may not check all of these boxes. And and also in this interview, she also says that she's not desperate for love right now. But we all know Kim Kardashian. She's a relationship girly. She's always been in a relationship. She's very quick to fall in love. It's been she a while. is. She's a hopeless romantic, though. She's always jumping from one relationship to the next. She It feels like she can never be alone. So I hope that she does, you know, get all of these qualities in someone, or at least some of them. And there are rumors that she's, you know, possibly dating Odell Beckham Jr. So hopefully he's accountable for his actions. He, he's got good teeth. He's got a nice smile. So there's one of them. It's interesting because, you know, we're doing a, a documentary, I think it's a week from Monday, actually, mm -hmm. on Taylor Swift. Yeah. And what she was looking for in the boxes that are checked. And, you know, I, I found that actually really interesting that I don't think you would have said beforehand, oh, she's going to date a football player. No. You know what I mean? No. So it's almost like you don't know until you know. And it may be a complete left turn from what you thought. And those are such general comments, aside from good teeth, which can be fixed, that um, you just never know until. So the list, I don't know about. I don't know about that. We're well, gonna... <laughs> welcome to Musings on Love with Harvey Levitt. Yes. Well, about today, around about today, I think there are probably a bunch of CEOs that are celebrating and probably some CEOs are going, what did we just do? What did we do? <laughs> because uh, they've had a week almost now since the Super Bowl, and the companies that decided to shell out $7 million 
just for 30 seconds. Not including in, talent. Uh, exactly, just to actually buy the airtime. Uh, wondering whether or not it was a, a, a good expense. Uh, by the uh, way, count me among the people wondering. I just, I, I we talked about it this week. I yeah. don't understand how the dunking ad, which was a 60 second Well, spot, that's what we got to get into. So they, and plus all the talent. They probably spent $25 million on is, that. Can they actually get that back? Is okay. it worth it? We know somebody who knows. Time to follow the money. And that means we're bringing in our buddy Damon John from Shark Tank and from Follow the Money. Uh, so Damon. Welcome back, man. Um, so, okay, so Damon, so let's let's just set this. What's the ledger let, sheet looking like let's today? Let's set the table for everybody watching. So it costs them $15 million for a one-minute ad for the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Then they had That's to pay right. Ben Affleck, Jack Harlow, Matt Damon, Jennifer Lopez, Tom Brady. Fat Joe. Every, so, let's say another 10, 10, million. 10 million. Easily. I, I say 10. I how, say 10. So right. how do they get the return on $25 million? Woo, that one's a tough one, but I do <laughs> remember that. So, so first of all, they have 13,000 locations. Okay. So I guess we could do the, do the math there. But I think that you, you have these uh, individuals who are extremely large, their household names, they're going out and they're talking on talk shows and various other things. They've now sold this merchandise. This merchandise sold out in 19 minutes. Now, Harv, I don't want to, I don't want to show my age, but I always remember it was time to make the donuts, time to make the donuts, yep. time to make the donuts. Yeah, I still use when, that phrase. <laughs> right, and when 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 Duncan really had its heyday, it was the time to make the donuts that went into apparel and it created a bigger brand. I think they actually won. I think that they will create probably hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. They would gain more in the market. It costs five cents to make a cup of coffee. They don't really sell that many donuts. It's really all about moving the coffee, which is caffeine, the number one drug in the world. So I think they're gonna make it with 13,000 locations. They have distribution. Huh. So look, there were what, I, I'm guessing 50 ads during the Super Bowl. Let's just say it's 50. Yeah. So is it the, the king of the hill is the one that wins? And does everybody else kind of lose? Because everybody's kind of talking just about Dunkin' Donuts, and you're not hearing the a lot of companies made they were good. increases as well. They don't have to have, in fact, there are probably, Damon, you would know, but like the companies that that didn't spend as much in the production of their ad, still but expensive. are still seeing, but are still seeing an, an increase. You know, I do think that there's about five that you generally talk about. I think a lot of those, uh, companies in there already has some way of uh, working with the NFL and or the networks, and they may have had it. Listen, you, they say 14 million. I don't know about 14 million because that's paying retail. I'm a shark. That's mm. like talking Swahili to me. I don't know Swahili. So I think a lot of these people are paying two and three and five million for these ads, to be very honest. I think that's just the, really the that kind they, of their so shock they make value. a deal with either the network or or the league. If I do a deal with TMZ and I say I'm gonna do all of these, and you'll say, Yeah, guys, I'll throw in a couple of ads, I'll give you a discount. I think there's a lot of stuff going on there. But the but the end of the day, whether you have a deal or not, it's all about creativity wins. I think they also probably paid less for the talent than we would have thought of because this went through um uh, th this went through the talent's actual agency. Uh, this went through um, Aflac's agency. So I think that that's getting a good shot at the agency. So you got Ben saying, listen, I'll give you a discount. I'll bring my beautiful wife in. I'll call up a couple of my buddies. She's going to call up Fat Joe. It's a Super Bowl commercial. It looks good for us. Let's do it. My agency gets money. All of my stars get to be known on a Super Bowl commercial. Duncan, you win. We all win together. But you're I not saying there's you, a lot of collaboration. You, you're not saying that the people in the ads didn't get paid, right? No, 100% they got paid, but I think that they probably did it a favors nation 
um, because either Ben said, honey, can you do this? And and, and right. Jen said, Joe, can you do this? And I think a lot of people got paid, well, uh, but they didn't get paid as much. And I think, than, yeah. listen, they, they brought the whole gang together of great creative people with a new agency, a Ben Affleck's agency with a really great, super creative product. I think it was a win-win for everybody. And I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't pay as much, but now everybody's reaping the benefits. Really interesting. Now, now we don't have enough time to talk about all the losers. So, uh, you know, there, oh. there's always, we're all talking about the Michael Jordan of, 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 of right. commercials right. in this one. There's a but whole that's what, lot but, of people on the bench. But that's what I was saying, that it's the one, that, it's not just getting a good ad, it's got to be the one that everybody's talking about. And you almost need to be king of the hill or else you're, you know, it's going to be hard I, to I get. I promise you, heads are rolling right now at advertising agencies and brands. But you know what? This is where we are in the world. Do you go to influencer? Do you go online? Do you go billboards? Do you do Super Bowl commercials? And this is where we are. Things are moving so fast, and there's a lot of heads rolling. Just as much as we're talking about the 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 Dunkin' Donuts uh, people that are that should be extremely happy. Huh. All right. Well, this was great. Thanks, we, dude. We, we wish the best for the heads that are rolling. I hope that uh, they recover. <laughs> yeah, I hope they land in a good place. <laughs> land on their feet. Uh, Damon, I'm can always you, hiring. Can you explain to Charles that when a head rolls, they will not recover? <laughs> I meant can you just explain that to him. Yeah, usually, uh, 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 yeah, Charles, it's usually, it's, usually, uh, it's usually apart from the body, and it's kind of, and it doesn't roll that easily. It kind of rolls a little lopsided because. Uh, Excuse me, I didn't know you guys were talking about a, a guillotine. Uh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> we'll see you next time, Damon. See you, Damon. You got it. Thanks. Did you see the first Dune? No. The, the reboot of Dune with um, Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya? I did not. I did not either, but I think I need to see part two. Oh, I know uh, why. <laughs> Dune, Dune <laughs> part two funny. Had, its, funny. Uh, had its premiere in London last night, and uh, the stars were there taking photos. Timothy Chalamet, get out of the picture. You're being, you're being upstaged by your co-stars outfit you know i'm a big fan of the outfit i think the outfit is a home run but i do have to say it seems like zendaya was clearly here to upstage her co-stars austin butler timothy chalamet they're wearing much more modest outfits i feel like that zendaya was here to kind of show that she's the star of the show by the way um she was there with tom holland because there have been all these breakup the rumors, rumors right he told us that it was not true and everyone's like and well we haven't heard hands. from her well there you go now you've heard from her there they are, holding hands. Why isn't she in the futuristic the outfit there? I know, that's what Tom's saying. <laughs> I'm like, um, I came for the robot suit. I'm Quentin in Atlanta, and we are currently witnessing the birth of one of the youngest fashion icons in the world, and her name is Zendaya. She's currently, that, that robot look is 1995 archival Mugler. But we can't talk about the pieces she wears without talking about the man who put her in them. Law Roach, one of the greatest stylists of our time. They are match made in fashion heaven. He knows his craft, he knows his clients, and he knows he's number one. Now we know who to go to for our fashion tips. She she looked could um, clearly use a lot. She looked amazing. Yes. She uh, what else you guys want to talk about? Hi, I'm Deontay from Detroit, and I wanted to comment on the Chiefs uh, party at the restaurant. Um, it's a tragic event that happened that day, but uh, people may give them flack for them still having a party, but how do we know they didn't go there to help cope with what happened as well too. You know, a lot of emotions and things are going on. They're happy to celebrate with the fans and stuff. Then that happens. And, you know, I'm sure they didn't just want to stop abruptly, but um, I hope people don't view it as too bad. Those are young men and who knows, they may be trying to put together something for the victims of the family as well at that um, get together.
Um, he made your point. Yeah. He made your point. Yeah. Uh, one more. Hey, it's Sakura, and I want to talk about Northwest. I got to take up for this little girl. <laughs> All her uh, drawings, she did say, I am grateful for this, and I'm grateful for that. So she was thankful of things, and she also shows that she doesn't have body-conscious issues. I get you there, by the way. That totally makes sense. She yeah. has no inhibitions whatsoever there. Yeah. The Michael Jackson biopic is now filming in the LA area. Actually, I think they were in Encino. I don't know, if, are they shooting at the Jackson I think, home? I think Havenhurst, has it been sold? I can't remember. But I can't anyway, remember. I while we try to sort that out, here are some of the first images of the man who was playing wow. Michael Jackson, his wow. nephew, Jafar Jackson. Jafar's, That's Jermaine's son. Yeah, and that, that is, a is pretty good. good. It's gonna be really interesting to see how they deal with some of the issues that he faced during his life in this. Right. And how they and address it. Whether they actually delve into some of that or is it just sort of mentioned as a I reference. don't see how they skirt it entirely. They may do it more I mean, of a Russian. This is when you have the family approving a script. Right. Then So this is gonna be more from Michael's point of view on how that lands. I most think. likely, yeah. Okay, folks, uh, have a great weekend and we'll see you Monday.